Hello and welcome back to the AF podcast with me, your host, Ali Mack. So yeah, back again today with another episode. Thank you to everyone that downloaded episode one and submitted questions. It is much appreciated. And as always, if you can give us a wee share, um, tell your friends, tell anyone who you think would be interested and help us grow, that is massively appreciated too. So yeah, episode two, what I'm going to talk about today is creating a lifestyle that produces results and creates freedom because it's a subject I've been talking a lot with new clients about recently and I think it's worth delving into some key points that you can apply to your own fitness journey and move forward. So key points I'm going to talk about, it's going to be nutrition. So we're going to talk about how to develop a healthy relationship with food, how to develop a healthy relationship with calorie tracking. I'm going to talk a bit about steps and calorie tracking watches after that, how to develop a healthy relationship with those elements too, because I think that's something that's blown up recently and it's something you want to make sure you're in a good place with. And then talk a bit more generally about kind of creating a healthy mindset general lifestyle habits like getting into a good sleep routine and kind of just avoiding burnout managing anxiety in the modern day then i've got a few questions i'm going to answer that i have been asked again again much appreciated and yeah that will be episode two so without further ado i will get into it so we're going to start with nutrition because i think that's the big one bottom line is if you get your calorie management right move enough fat loss will take care of itself so we'll start there so Nutrition, as I said, I think a lot of the time it is the biggest hurdle and a lot of the time that is down to the emotional connection we make with food, i.e. having perceptions that there's certain good foods, certain bad foods. And then same with calorie tracking. Calorie tracking is a really useful tool. I do think when used correctly, it is the ultimate tool to create freedom with your nutrition. But mindset-wise, it's important you don't get into a bad place with that. The numbers don't become you know an obsessive thing and it becomes all-consuming so going to kind of address those two points so first of all i'm going to talk about calorie tracking because the relationship with food stuff kind of follows on nicely from that so how to get into a good place with that so the key concept i use when clients come on board that i feel removes the pressure from tracking and allows them to get into a good mindset with it is something i call the seven day mindset okay so basically instead of looking to absolutely achieve perfection with your calorie intake day to day we look at making sure that we get the average right over the course of the week okay so the way i track calories with clients lets me see the averages and providing the comeback right i know we're going to make progress okay so to give you an example of that let's say your calorie intake is 2000 a day the way i look at that is 14,000 a week okay so if the numbers come in right there we're laughing the reason we do that is it removes that pressure of perfection day to day. It means you can have days where you're slightly over, slightly under, and it gives you freedom to manage it as opposed to every day being this kind of all or nothing thing. It means you can enjoy nights out. It means you can enjoy social occasions. You just have to balance it out the rest of the time. Now that removes that pressure because a lot of the time, I think the reason people struggle with tracking is, you know, for example, let's say you have a day where you go over, instantly your head goes to this place where it's like, oh, that's really bad, I've wrecked my week, and that's when the headspace changes and you fall off. So when you apply the seven-day mindset, it's kind of like, okay, I had a day there where I went over, I've got six days left to balance it out. So again, to give you an example, let's say you go a 1,000 calories over, 
um, on the weekend and you need to balance that out across the week. It's literally a case of cutting 200 calories off your daily intake for five days and it's going to balance out the next week. Yeah. So yeah, it just removes the pressure. It creates that freedom and when you remove that pressure, it's so much easier to track. Tracking becomes a tool you can use to help you as opposed to a tool you can use that frustrates you and can be detrimental mentally. So that's kind of the key element, the seven-day mindset. There's a few key points I want to go into beyond that. So something I think people really, really forget with tracking as well, right, is for the most part, if you are using a coach or even if you set it up yourself, your goal is fat loss they're going to have put you in a deficit, okay? So probably I'm going to generalize here. Like I suppose I can use my own, what I would do with people. That's probably going to be anywhere between three and 500 calories at the top end, I would imagine. 500 is quite steep. Um, let's say three, 400, okay, for the most part. So something you really need to remember if you have a day where you go over, even if it's like unintentional, it's just one of those days, things didn't work out and you've gone over, Okay. Let's say you've gone 200 over. You're still in a deficit. Okay, this is an important point to remember because I think the head straight away goes to if you go over that number that is set in the app that like you have failed, it's obviously going to lead to weight gain and you know all these outcomes that aren't true. So bear in mind that kind of key point that unless you actually go up over maintenance, you're not coming out of that deficit. All that means if you go a couple hundred calories over is you're probably going to lose weight a little bit slower than intended but you're still actually going to move forward okay so that's something i think is really important to remember that if you were eating for fat loss you will be in a deficit so a couple of hundred calories heat in there providing it's not happening every day isn't going to be that detrimental in the grand scheme of things okay beyond that i think probably best place to go next is talking about developing a healthy relationship with food and I think a lot of that links into applying this kind of seven-day mindset approach as well that I'm talking about. Yeah, because the one thing I notice a lot is that I think calorie, like I think the fear with these sort of traditionally more calorie-dense foods is the calorie content in them, okay? So you're more scared of, you know, eating a certain food will make you go over your calorie goal as opposed to being scared of consuming the food itself, if that makes sense. So I suppose best way to put this point across again is to give you an example. So I had a client, they won't mind me sharing uh, this point, who came in a couple of weeks ago, just kind of started chatting about their day, how their day was going. And they said to me they hadn't had a good day with nutrition. They were kind of quite sort of uh, quite annoyed at themselves, quite sort of stressed out about it and felt like they'd sort of ruined their week because they'd had a really good week. So as a result of consuming some of these foods that they were perceiving as bad, they just hadn't tracked and basically had no no kind of idea where they were at. So what we did was we actually sat down, went back through what they had eaten that day, logged it all, and actually it turned out it wasn't as bad as it seemed. Okay, so they were actually still under their calorie goal. But the reason they had this perception that everything was bad was they had eaten certain foods that they deemed in their head as bad that were I suppose slightly higher calorie but they had actually just managed the portions very very well so the point is this okay when we apply the seven day mindset again it removes that need for calories to be perfect day to day so you can actually have some of those foods that are your you know maybe your preferred treats and stuff or favorite meals 
that might push you slightly higher on in terms of daily calorie content without it being that big a deal so food then doesn't you know sort of fall into this category of good versus bad when it comes to calorie intake okay creates freedom there now obviously there is foods that it makes sense to eat a lot of foods that it doesn't make sense to eat a lot of like obviously we don't want 90 percent of your calorie intake to be chocolate but a bit here and there isn't going to destroy your routine okay so again a lot of that i suppose a lot of that dates back to my first point in applying that seven day mindset try and get to a place with food where rather than categorizing it as good and bad you're just managing your intake of those foods across the week and understanding that it's all right to have a little bit more of something a bit more dense here a snack here and there providing it balances out at the other end so yeah i think that pretty much covers everything I want to talk about nutrition wise if i go on about it anymore i'll probably end up um havering a little bit so i'll move on to steps and calorie tracking okay so this is another key area i think is important to discuss because ultimately again if you get your activity right you know for example steps um alongside controlling your nutrition you're laughing okay so yeah gonna get into it ultimately i think steps are a very very good thing in terms of like the sort of promotion of that has been huge because it's such a low barrier of entry you know you don't need to be a member of a gym to go out walking and people are starting to understand the value in that i also think it's really really beneficial for you mentally too um kind of gives you time to switch off and just focus on yourself and yeah bit a big advocate of it something i'm big on myself but again i think it's important to get into a good place with it okay so yeah good sort of basic goals i think that's a good place to start i would say for the most part what i recommend clients to try and achieve is that seven to ten thousand range i think ten thousand ten thousand is a good range if you have a reasonably active job i would say like if you can get to that ten thousand mark awesome um but if you're someone who's desk bound most of the day doesn't really have much activity i would say seven thousand is a good place to start something to bear in mind with steps is yes they ultimately are helping you burn calories but it's not groundbreaking like you know thousands of calories like your watch is telling you so it's important to not let them kind of become an obsession you know for example if you're hitting ten thousand a day just now and that's manageable in your life awesome you don't need to push it beyond that it's not going to be you know super beneficial in that sense like in that sense, I suppose I've fallen into that mindset before myself. I think last time I was cutting, I kind of pushed my steps out a bit. It was something I wasn't aware of immediately, and it sort of got out of hand. Um, I ended up walking, I think, close to 20,000 a day most days. And in the grand scheme of things, it made very little difference in the rate I actually lost weight. So try and get out of this mindset of you know steps with this mental calorie burning tool as well um they're not but they are a useful thing we can use along the way okay so general rule stay in that seven to ten thousand range and just enjoy your steps okay don't let them become a chore so that kind of leads into calorie tracking watches because i think that is a big part of this perception that steps are you know torching absolutely thousands of calories um trying to think what's my watch saying to me just now so yeah the watches in general I would say are pretty inaccurate it doesn't matter the brand like i've got a fitbit 
it's telling me right now at four o'clock in the day I have burnt three and a half thousand calories or something along those lines and I'm about 10,000 steps okay now I know for a fact from tracking my calories that that's not true okay it's a polite way of putting it um they grossly overestimate your calorie output so what I would say in general is disregard like these kind of calorie goals I know some of them sort of give you achievements and stuff when you know you burn a set amount of calories each day but really disregard that as a goal because I think that creates this unhealthy relationship with the whole process key things to focus on are just getting your calorie intake right stick with whatever calories you have been designated and um, if you're working with a coach they will have your best interests in mind and they'll have made that the goal for the reasons so don't fall into the habit either of trying to eat more because your watch is telling you that it's okay to eat more basically disregard the watch beyond using it as a step tracker okay because that's kind of where the use of them ends it's just otherwise it's just created this kind of weird relationship with calories burned and calories consumed sort of thing so use them for what they are watch out i would say for signs of like steps becoming something that you seem to just gradually be doing more and more of in terms of if it's getting out of hand like you've gone from ten thousand to kind of the example i was using there myself you know closer to twenty thousand. watch that that's not something that's getting out of hand from a mindset point of view do enough to allow you to achieve your goal enough that you enjoy but not so much that it is taking up huge chunks of your day and becoming something that ultimately isn't sustainable so yeah i feel like i've been talking a lot there in that 13 minutes um so just going to try and get my bearings a little bit before i launch into the last bit so this is probably the most interesting bit actually this is a bit i'm excited to share because i think there's a few key things here people may not be applying that can be a game changer with the pace of modern day life okay so something i would say we can all attest to certainly just now is that stress levels can be quite high just now i would say stress as a whole anxiety as a whole is something that has been higher than people in general i would say this year there's been a lot of stuff going on a lot of distractions a lot of big stuff going on in the world and that um and sometimes it can all just sort of get you so i think there's a few things i've changed with how i use things like social media and stuff that i found really beneficial it's helped me get in a good headspace and be able to stay focused on myself okay so few key things number one putting your phone down a couple hours before you go to sleep okay so i know nowadays with social media there's that constant kind of i suppose there's the ability to be present on it through your phone but there's that constant like dopamine hit you get off the likes of tiktok and stuff that make it very very addictive and a lot of people sit in it until they go to sleep and then wake up the next day feeling very tired that is because it's going to affect not only how long it takes you to get asleep but your quality of sleep as well so best thing you can do is put the phone down early as a general rule i put it down one to two hours before i go to sleep and i have found it massively improves my quality of sleep and i fall asleep a lot quicker um beyond that something else i would really recommend for improving your quality of sleep is blue light blocking glasses okay so if i'm going to be on a screen be that the laptop um or my phone or even 
to be honest with you, if I'm sitting watching TV, I put the blue light blocking glasses on. It basically stops, like blue light affects the kind of signals that go to your brain in terms of um, whether it should be preparing for rest or whether it should be preparing to work. And when you block that off with the blue light glasses, the brain sort of functions the way it should. And again, it just makes getting to sleep that little bit easier and your quality of sleep is going to be better, okay? So try and limit screen time as you're getting ready for bed. Blue light glasses can be a useful tool on top of that. Beyond that, I think things you can use to kind of avoid your lap burnout and limit stress is controlling your inputs and particularly something that I found really useful is turning off notifications on my phone because quite a lot, like obviously I get a lot of messages with being a coach, like people just chatting back and forth and stuff and questions here and there. Quite a lot of the time I find my phone can be really distracting so I can be in a really good like rhythm of work with check-ins or programming or something and then I get a message and it was like, boom, distracted, lost my kind of flow and then, you know, everything else kind of became less productive. So from a productivity point of view and a stress point of view, what I decided to do was I turned off my notifications. So basically when I go into my messages, I just answer them kind of all at the same time on mass. So I've got designated times throughout the day that I deal with messaging. Um, so it's not this kind of constant distraction and constant kind of stress off notifications and stuff pinging in. So again, I think as a general rule, that's something that's useful to apply for all people because it limits that distraction. Ultimately, the big thing that I think I've noticed a difference with is it's allowed me to be more present with the people I'm with. I do think that is a big thing with social media that because it's a distraction, it actually means, you know, if you're sitting with your friends or your family or something, you're less present with them. So it's allowed me to increase the kind of value and quality of the time I spend with people actually in person as well. And yeah, ultimately just led to a more productive lifestyle. So blue light glasses limit time with regards to um, screen time before bed guard your inputs okay limit your time on social media turn the notifications off on your phone use your phone in your terms don't feel like a slave to your phone like that phrase and generally i think you will find mindset wise you will be in a much better place okay so that is that is that pretty much that's me covered everything i want to chat about there so i'm going to go through the questions i got asked this week and then that will be podcast complete. So three questions or three main questions I got that I think are worth answering um, in detail on here. So first one was, do you need cardio to lose weight? And is it bad for strength gain? So it's kind of a two-sided answer. No, you don't need cardio to lose weight. Um, Yes, it can be a useful tool, but it's not essential. Arguably, steps are cardio, so you're doing that anyway if you're aiming for a step goal, but it's not essential. Ultimately, in my opinion, it's not going to do any harm to do cardio. Like studies have shown, it, it's not super detrimental if it's limited. Like, for example, if you're doing, let's say you're doing 10 to 20 minutes of low intensity, steady state cardio um, two, three times a week, or you're doing you know, a short sort of anaerobic interval session a couple of times a week. It's not going to have a huge effect on, you know, the outcome of your strength training. What Where there's been studies have shown 
there is an effect of like explosive strength okay so not absolute strength explosive strength um and even then it was only when sessions were kind of performed close together so short answer is it's not going to have a detrimental effect on strength it's probably worth having it in there for general cardiovascular health um personally i do intervals a couple of times a week at my steps and i'm good with that and still find i've been able to get stronger um unless again obviously there's always the scenarios where if something's taken to an extreme so if you know that 20 minutes of cardio a couple of times a week turns into an hour a day then you're wondering why you're not getting stronger it's probably because you're not recovering okay so don't take things to extremes with regards to the amount of cardio you do or the amount of volume you're doing of strength training and you will be golden okay you can do both um next question any suggestion for protein snacks so yes actually so i'm quite a big fan of kind of the protein yogurts kicking about just now quite a big fan of the graham's protein yogurts um i always say the name wrong of the next one is it skier or skier um they've got some useful ones as well there is a lot of protein puddings and stuff kicking about now um little do some outstanding protein puddings i would say um what else have we got protein ice cream quite a fan of that i quite like my my processed protein snacks to be honest um generally sort of working like to be fair i have the yogurt quite frequently i would say graham's protein yogurt is a good place to start but you have got a few options there on top of that okay so last question best way to grow your glutes so this is yeah this is the question a this is the one that needs answered so glute training i suppose in terms of growth grudgingly i say it hip thrusts um i do like hip thrusts as a movement but i do think they have been over over kind of popularized um in terms of effectiveness yes they obviously directly stimulate the glutes obviously they are effective for growth but i would argue there is more functional movements like if you're squatting correctly squatting to depth you're still going to get glute engagement um the likes of lunges if you're performing them efficiently front foot elevated split squats with a glute emphasis uh, general sort of posterior chain work like rdl stuff like that you can get a lot of good glute work in there so i would say really it's a rounded approach it's having a balanced program is going to lead to the best glute development so squat variations single leg variations a lot of hinging um, and hip thrust built in there the beauty of glute training is they can tolerate a lot of volume so you can get away with hitting them with a higher frequency that is the beauty of the likes of a hip thrust is that it can be programmed quite frequently because it's such a short range of motion and again tolerance of volume in the glutes so work them in work hip thrusts into your program if they're not in there already alongside a generally balanced sort of frequency with regards to hinging movements like your rdls and your deadlifts and squatting make sure you're taking everything through a full range of motion and i would say that is probably the best way to grow your glutes so yeah that is all the questions covered so episode two complete that was a little bit longer hopefully i didn't go off track too much there um and 
yeah, hopefully that's given you some useful tips you can take away and apply to your own journey. So once again, thanks to everybody who has downloaded and listened to this. Um, feel free to share it about as much as you want. And yeah, stay tuned for episode three coming next week.